minute, crossfade. The Daily Talk Show. A conversation sometimes worth recording with Josh Jansen and Tommy Jacket. The Daily Talk Show. We've got uh, Mark Ferguson, also known as Cycling Maven. To be honest, I thought it was your real name. I thought Cycling Maven, you changed your name to that? I, I get called Maven a lot. Do you? So I'm thinking about changing my name by default to Maven, just Maven. How did, like Prince. How did you come up with Cycling Maven? Well, back in the day, I was thinking, okay, how can I get online and do this, share some thoughts on cycling? And a Maven is a, uh, is a expert in a particular field who seeks to pass on knowledge to others. Really? Okay. Yeah, okay. It's Yiddish. I'm not Jewish, but yeah, just thought I'd tell well, you that. It's pretty straightforward. You're talking about cycling. You've got your YouTube channel. Yeah, is that is that where it started? Is that what the it, platform you chose? It's actually I actually started in the late 2000s, and I started up a blog, and then I realised I was a really crap writer. <laughs> I, I There's just so many really shit good. I've got a mate of mine, great designer, shit writer. I had a blog, and it was just like. It looked so nice. He had the best designed website. It, it would make me really upset when you'd actually read the stuff because it wouldn't make sense. So well, you, I, you did a bit of that. I had people just emailing me about spelling mistakes <laughs> and just people just froth on telling yeah. you that you've yeah. done something Good wrong. Engagement. Yeah. Good engagement. Good you know? engagement. <laughs> so that was it. So that, so, that, so that died a miserable death. And in fact, that went for about that went well for about six months, and then I got a real job. Wait. I so st- so you, were you doing it as an actual thing? That was your job. Yeah, well, I moved from Perth right to Melbourne in the global financial crisis right at 2008, and I had no job to come to, and I wanted to move to Melbourne, mm. right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to get a job when I'm here. Why did you want to move to Melbourne? Just because it's, I was single. It's just cool. They have really good coffee. Is that really the thing? So, like, if, you, if you're single, Melbourne is good? Yeah. Back, okay. Well, back then, yeah. And, then and I think it still is. I mean, I'm not single anymore, so I wouldn't know. Well, you moved here. You had some success. Just to um, reset a bit, we are in a little, almost like a bungalow-esque of yeah, a we've cafe. we've got some background music. Mm. Yeah, so if you're hearing those funky vibes. What was it? You thought it was called Lost on Chapel? Words, I thought it was called Lost on Chapel, and I I've been here 5,000 times. <laughs> it's, it's actually called Found on Chapel. Found on Chapel. <laughs> so come down, check it out if you live in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, great coffee. It's, uh, it's en- a, enjoying a flat white. It's a cool little place in South Melbourne. Uh, not South Melbourne. South Yarra. South Yarra. And so you're now living in Melbourne. Yep. You've, got your, um, you've got your YouTube channel. Yep. Boasting 45k subs, do you swing Tommy's that? A, Tommy's a sub counter. If you haven't heard every, well, do you? Is there okay? Do you, do you count your subs? I mean, other I than did just, back in the day, back at back like pre 1000. Yeah, like I'd set notifications up and like did you? Bill Jones just subscribed to your channel and I'd be like, sick. <laughs> click on That's Bill. Awesome. <laughs> click on Bill. Up. Check him out. See if he's got anything going. <laughs> And yeah. wait, so the uh, the blog. So sorry, I interrupted you. You were you moved from Perth to Melbourne because yeah. of coffee, and you were single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just to, just to get a better life, really, because Perth's great. Don't get me wrong. Anyone from Perth listening, mm. love you. Yeah. But great weather, yeah. right? But job prospects and stuff like that. It's just way better for what I do. So you in, grew up in WA. Then? Grew up in WA. Okay. Yeah. Cycling started cycling over there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Moved to Melbourne, did the blog for six months in cycling, so mm-hmm. commentating on cycling, and then realised, you know what, you've got actually got to pay the bills. Mm. And I can't spell. <laughs> and I can't spell to save my life. And I didn't finish high school, so... Oh, so Tommy so and you have another we're, thing we're in common. We're similar, but I don't cycle. 
Yeah. And yeah. I don't have 45,000 subs. I've got yeah, 943. Don't be, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. So you, um, you discovered, did you build a community? Did you already have a community at that point or no? Sort of through the blog, I actually did build a, a bit of a community, but, mm. um, but got a job and then just let it go. Got back into the surgical device world. And, you know, the reality of just slogging it out and focusing on that, it just went by the wayside. So you said you got back into it. So did you, what did you, what did you do when you finished school? So you, you dropped out? Yes, yeah, so I dropped out year 10, actually. I, mm-hmm. I wagged so many days of year 10 that my dad said, you've got to join the Navy or the Army or the Air Force. And so I said, Navy not, not even just like because some people like Tommy became a landscaper. There was other options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. so you joined the Navy. Joined the Navy. I was just almost sixteen. Did you ever get motion sick before then? Like no, that wasn't an issue. No, I, okay. Well, see, I'd, this is an interesting question because I'd surfed for like four years before mm. I went to the Navy. So you'd think I'd be a shoe in, but as it turned out, I got hella sick. Really? Oh, oh, mate, I had days. Like, I'm not joking. Seasickness is the worst feeling. Mm. I don't know if you boys I vomited all the way to Tasmania once, yeah. And that's I a haven't, big I haven't yeah. got it. And they said, um, and I was 17, and mum said, well, I think you just need some food. So, for some oh. reason, we thought it was a good idea to eat a cheese kransky. <laughs> I just oh, vomited no. hard. I've oh, got the buffet on the spirit it's of Tasmania. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. So, you, you started off by vomiting on the Navy. Yeah, so we, in, went, the uh, we went on this, uh, you know, I went on a few ships, right? Mm. But uh, they're quite narrow, the mm. ships. They're not like the spirit of Tasmania. It's a big fat lunker, you know, chunk of hunk in the, in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. We've got these narrow sort of Navy ships and they're long, so they roll. Anyway, first, first few sessions out. You, like the first day is the worst, right? And you've got to work. Like I'm there to work and, and sort of paint things and fix things and stuff. I c- you can't. When you've got seasick, you're just lying down on the yeah. ground just throwing up. And that, that goes on when you go to sea, like out in the ocean for two weeks, three weeks at a time, for days. Oh, so think no. about that for four days. I felt horrendous coming here because I tried to watch your YouTube videos while Tommy was driving <laughs> and nearly vomited. I'm still feeling, I've still got that throat feeling. And you just, yeah. you've, you've smashed your coffee. Yeah, I did. A is, that a, is that a bad, bad idea? Well, if, you, if you're feeling a lot of a bit dairy. And I normally drink almond milk, but for, I didn't want to sort of, because of the friction of already recording, I didn't want to rock up late. Get a specific room and ask for almond milk. <laughs> the almond milk felt like it was too it much. It was just too much to compute, yeah. wasn't it? So now I'm going to shit my pants before the end of the episode, but it'll be worth it. So you, you mentioned you uh, work in the surgical instruments sales. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Surgical, surgical yeah. devices, yeah. So, and so you have your, your YouTube channel. And I see everyone out there, everyone's trying to go, uh, I want that to be my job. I want the YouTube. And I think some people look from the outside and look at your channel, 45K subs. Oh, there's your job. There's what's going to pay the bill. He's a bloody billionaire. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's funny, the perceptions. So a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I bloody made it. You know, yeah. I've got 45K subs. Well, you have. You're on the Daily Talk Show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've arrived. To be here. You've arrived. Thanks, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, you know, people think, oh, God, you're doing so well. But the truth is on YouTube, and you've, you've got a YouTube uh, channel yourself, yeah, yeah. Tommy, but it's, uh, it's a slog. And if you've monetized, you're not, you don't make much money. You mm. know, like I reckon, and I, and I don't mind sharing this. Um, I, I made a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I make about 300 bucks a month. Wow. 
from the from the advertising. It's not even paying for your Gasman. Uh. My Gasman, t- my Gasman T-shirt. I'm rocking this Gasman T-shirt now. The boys are taking the Mickey out of me. <laughs> no, no, well, you were just talking before no, that the you spent up big. You, you spent uh, big on Gasman. The bloke without a kid is taking the Mickey out of you. I saw it and thought that's fashion. No, it is that's really fashion. as yeah, a dad. Gas, Gasman. No, it's really, it looks really nice. It almost looks like the um, sort of dry wicking, sort of the stuff that Tim Ferriss is always pushing. You know, the, the things that you don't have to ever wash. And yeah, you can put yeah. it under the sink and then wring it out in your hotel room. Yeah, that, that top type of thing. Or you can mm. just be a normal human. So you're trying to tell <laughs> us that you can't be, uh, you're not rich from YouTube. You just you just don't make a, a living. And I tried to do that. I mean, I quit, in, uh, quit my day job in March 2017. Went and did the, the Indy Pack, which I can uh, tell you a little bit about later. But mm. um, it's a race basically across from Perth to Sydney by bike as fast as you can. Through the and centre. Through the centre, yeah. Whoa. From Perth, across the Nullarbor, down through Melbourne, up through there, the Victorian Alps. And you've got to carry all your own stuff on your bike. But anyway, long story, but it made it most of the way. And then uh, then went overseas and try, really tried to make a have a crack at this YouTube channel thing. It's just a tough gig to make money because you've, you've got to touch up brands and stuff mm. to, to get any sort of income. Yeah. Did you – wait, you said you went overseas? Yeah, so a bit of a story here. Had a um, did a Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. after the Indie Pack, I got back and thought, okay, what can we do now? Yeah. And as we know in cycling, the big races are the Tour de France, mm-hmm. the Giro d'Italia, which is the Italian version, and then you've got the Vuelta a España, which is the Spanish version. Mm-hmm. And I said to my followers on YouTube, I said, look, I'll do, a, I'll do a Kickstarter. You guys pay, and I'll go over and do a series of vlogs from these grand tours and tell you guys how awesome they are and where to go and where to stay and to my surprise I put up like 10 grand as the thing that I thought I was going to hit yeah. 50 grand Whoa, in no three way. days they chipped in over three days well within three or four days we had something like 40 grand and then over the next the course of the next 60, uh, 60 days I think you leave a Kickstarter open yeah, for yeah. Um, got me up to 50k and so you're a billionaire pretty much no, no, well, the, fu- <laughs> the funny thing is, like, cause was there insecurities of doing it because you see the people who are like you know, um, can't afford a honeymoon, so here's a GoFundMe page, so we can we can go on a nice holiday. You get people who are pretty. Um, well, you, are you saying they're gross, self-indulgent ones, and then yeah, there's, there's other ones that actually offer value? People who who have no self-awareness at all and don't realise what yeah, it was. So, it. what were the? How did you reconcile it in your mind to feel like you weren't just taking the piss? This is a really good question, and this was something that came back to bite me, right? Mm. Because. What I did was I offered a, a certain amount of things, you know, caps, T-shirts, which we all, we all fulfilled. And it was, I will bring you guys a video every day from the Grand Tours, you know, of our vlog. It's just a vlog, plus a few other bits and pieces. I can't remember, you know, hat, as I said, hats and T-shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was about adding value. And really, at the end of the day, if you don't want to put money in towards a Kickstarter, yeah, don't do you're it. not going to pull your yeah, wallet out. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So if you're frothing on what I'm doing you're going to put some money in. So you may be over, you over-engineered it, you gave too much. I gave too much. Well, mm-hmm. we we did over-engineer it. So it's that balance, right? Mm-hmm. So people that are seasoned vets, uh, I know you spoke to Rob Ward yeah. a few few uh, sessions ago and podcasts ago, and he's he did a great Kickstarter for yeah. his business. Uh-huh. But yeah, you can underdo it, like mm-hmm. these these people that you were saying, yeah. and you can overdo it yeah. and by offering too much stuff because when you get back, you've got to fulfill all these orders uh-huh. and it's hard yards, man. So what was that like? What was the... Uh what was the story behind that? What's the learning? Well, the learning was that we went over there 
and a lot of the crew that were watching my channel, and we had a whole bunch, because SBS don't cover the Giro d'Italia. So that mm -hmm. was the first race we went to, yeah. the Italian version. Yeah? Uh -huh. And SBS weren't covering it. So we had all these people coming to my channel to watch the race. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out you need media rights. It costs thousands of dollars oh, for no. media rights. Yeah, of course. Right? You can't just vlog it. So yeah. You can't just vlog. I can't point a camera at the riders. And yeah, go, this is sweet. Let's no. just. So I had to film myself and Hannah <laughs> and us just hanging out. <laughs> just, He's a reenactment. This just, is the equivalent yeah. of like not Optus, not live streaming, but then it's like Optus streaming the World Cup, but instead of having the game, they've just got a couple of guys That's just sitting there. What It turns into Gogglebox. Just talking about it. It was Gogglebox. This is exactly That's what it so was. Funny. So we had a lot of flack in the first few vlogs, like a lot of kickback yep. from our followers. And not, not so much even my followers. My followers were like, we know what you do, bro. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but these douchebags coming in, yeah. thinking that they're going to watch the Giro d'Italia because SBS aren't televising it. Yeah. And so that just threw, flew, threw me into a flat spin, right? It rattled me hard. You know, we had it such would. troll comments. Like, I don't even know if I can say yeah, some say, of the comments you, on you here. You can. Say a couple of just them. Say, yeah. say a good one. Well, one of the comments was Hannah, Hannah needs a cock in her ass. And that was the top voted comment. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, Hannah's my partner. Yeah. Now, and, wife? And now, now she, baby possibly. mama? Yeah. One day. She's yeah. my mama. Oh, she's the baby yeah. mama. She, yeah, she's my baby mama. Yeah. Right. I've got a three, three, uh, four month old little boy. So. Right. And so, I mean, that tells you a lot about the community that you, you're creating there. <laughs> Did you. Do, I, well, it was I the top-voted comment. Yeah, that's no, what well, cracks me. Well, that's what well, I, was, I was saying. Uh, I deleted it. I was saying to yeah. Tommy, I was saying the uh, the thing that I like about what we're doing is we're not tr we don't want to go too far out of our frequency. We don't want to go to those people because like, those people are there. So I guess the more viral you go, the more sort of open you are to people criticizing you. Is that Have you found that you've got that core community and do you avoid like do you see the negative side of going viral or going too big i think viral i'm not going to say it doesn't work for a mm. start but just talking about viral yeah i think you know you can have a viral video and pick up no extra subscribers yeah, yeah. so so i don't think aiming to be viral is is the, is the main thing but it's organic growth yeah. exactly what you're doing exactly what i've done um yes as you grow you you cop more criticism yeah. and you're really opening yourself up to criticism and mm. I think in video uh, particularly on YouTube because we know YouTube's a, a place where trolls can sort of open up any account under any name mm. and you can uh, you can open up an account under my name and start trolling other people and pretend as though you're me yeah. don't do it yeah but not you ideal. can do like that no. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. <laughs> You've been doing that for for ages, haven't you? <laughs> That's me. I was the one saying the <laughs> thing well, in the bum. <laughs> wow. I don't even want to say, say that comment again. I mean, the, it's annoying because I think what it points out to is that it is that sort of uh, the sexism of it, which is like pointing out Hannah, like making it about her when she's just like sort of this small part of the the whole piece. Do you find that? Do you find that bringing in certain people into your world? that they get criticised more than even you do? Uh, not, not really. I mean, Hannah's been pretty... Hannah's pretty well liked on the channel. Mm. Uh, we, we both are, obviously, but I think with the Kickstarter, as soon as you bring money into it and as soon as yeah. people can see that you're, you're hitting your straps and you're having success, then that's when a lot of jealousy comes in. Yeah. And so then people get feisty. Man. Mm. I think you can almost bring more value when it's... Not when you're not being paid for it, because, and you because you can also you can almost try 
in different areas that are a bit dangerous and you might win. So you might be a bit more creative. But then how do you getting, do it? That's the conundrum, right? Paid for it. Yeah, but then the conundrum is... You're not getting paid for it. So it's not a... It's, <laughs> it's hard to make a living. And then the other side of it is it's like you sort of fucked either way because you either... You do that, you ask people for money and then they feel like a real ownership or you go to brands and try and convince them that whatever tone of voice that you want to do or the way that you want to, you know, showcase their product is the right way. That's, that's exactly right. And that, that were the two options. I mean, we, we really didn't have a lot of time after the Indie Pack. So the Indie Pack took me, uh, was supposed to take, you know, four to six weeks and we had headwinds pretty much every day in the first few days. So it put us behind schedule. So we only had three weeks to sort of muster up some money to go to the Giro d'Italia. Mm. And so I didn't have a lot of time to approach brands. So I thought the best way to do this is the Kickstarter. In retrospect, it wasn't the best way to do it. I would advise anyone thinking about doing this to go to brands. Um, because, as you just said, the, the people think that they've got ownership of the vlog. And yeah. so once you're a Kickstarter contributor, you have you know production rights to, you know, oh, we want to see more of this. And, yeah. and so we found that people were doing that mm. more and more. But the worst thing was is because we were making these videos on YouTube from the Kickstarter funding, there were people that hadn't contributed to the Kickstarter who were also saying, we want this, 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 and this. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, so, it's so dodgy. I mean, I'm a video guy, so is Josh. We That's our craft. Are you? What are you? I mean... Good question, man. I don't even know what I'm doing. I've done 600 <laughs> no, I mean, videos. I, no. Yeah, how many videos? No, I've done 600 videos now, but I, I always just had a bit of a thing for video. I just, I'd never knew anything, and I got on lynda.com, and uh, this was in 2014. I got on lynda.com, mm. and I did a... Premier Pro CC course. You need to do that one. Too. Tommy's going to be transitioning from Mate, Final I'm Cut a Pro self-taught to Premier Pro. Lynda.com is great. It's fantastic. I yeah. highly recommend This is not an advertisement. Yeah, it fucking should be. It should be, though. <laughs> We're going to get in touch with it. <laughs> so, you did the, so you did that whole Lynda.com, learnt Premier. Learnt Premier. And um, what, was, myself. what was your first video? I started doing GoPro. So the whole premise behind going from the, the blog was knowing that I couldn't write wasn't a good writer so then i went into making videos and i thought i've got a bit of a creative flair i'll start making videos i found casey neistat i don't know if mm-hmm. anyone knows yep. but he's a he's a vlogger a vlogger on youtube i don't know what's a vlogger or vlogger. Why, I've, I've, I've never heard if you're asking grandpa or yeah. your cousin funny thing is, like i've heard vlog twice <laughs> in the last two days i call it vlogger yeah it's a blogger. yeah but then you a sound vlog. like a flogger yeah <laughs> Well, it's not vlog. No, well, yeah, as a blog. No, but I did have someone say, "Josh, when you're travelling, you should uh, vlog. You should do a vlog." And um, it was hard for me not because she was being super, super <laughs> nice. But I wanted to like laugh in that moment because it's quite a <laughs> yeah. Maybe I will do a vlog. <laughs> but anyway, so you uh, you you did the whole GoPro thing. You bought it. You because that's, that's a classic thing. I've you know I remember going to uh, Fiji a few years ago, and um, GoPros seemed to be the gateway drug in a lot of ways to content creation yeah well gopros back when i started were huge right mm. so any gopro footage was just off the off the chart and uh to, especially to put it on a bike and race and, and i was pretty fit back then right mm. so i won a couple of races with the gopro on the front of my bike and so i was pretty stoked to cut this up and put it on youtube so i i thought okay how can i put this on youtube without looking like a total wanker because i'd won the <laughs> race so i thought okay i'll do a tutorial and I'll narrate the footage so, and I make it a how-to, right? So I made this how-to video on how to win a race, yeah. right? And I didn't even know what I was talking about, but I was just talking. <laughs> and um, anyway, it had like 16,000 views. 
Yeah, this well, is this video, this this GoPro video, and I thought I'm really starting to enjoy this YouTube stuff. You know, I've um, I'm super naive when it comes to cycling, but I've seen Icarus, so I I can't help but think that anyone yeah. that's winning a race is obviously like uh, you, you've got a full medical team working on you and stuff like that. Is that the reality within an, an like what level were you playing in? Oh well, I was only racing local uh, club crits, mm. so you know, like a criterion for those that don't know is just a it's a lap. You go for like a one kilometer circuit, usually a flat course, mm. and you do it about fifty times. And you race for fifty minutes, and then they ring the bell with three laps to go, and you and you sort of everyone sort of starts to race, right? Yeah. But something like Icarus is he's going over massive mountains, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you know, a lot of those guys are you know you're at your threshold. So going it, over these mountains. Did you, you know? say it's called a crit? Criteria. Criteria. Okay. Criteria. Oh, yeah. so your races were they first across the line wins, not time yeah first of course so you line up with say you start the race the criterion with you know say 60 100 blokes Mm -hmm. 100 people and then you race around and i'm a natural born sprinter so Mm -hmm. sprinting is my thing so basically what i do is i wait to the end of the race they ring the bell with three laps to go and then i go to the front and just turn it on yeah great that's so that's my thing right Mm -hmm. but um, but there's a lot of guys who are time trialers or hill climbers and they're quite light, so they're like 60 kilos and they can mm. just go out here. So those guys leave me for dead. I, I, um, a few name drops here. Grew up uh, going to primary school and high school. Mark French, a cyclist Australian guy. Yeah, very Actually, good sprinter. Yeah, very good. His, his thighs are twice the size of your head, Josh. Really? And you've got a big one. I don't <laughs> want to name drop. I'm on Strava. I've got You're Strava. On Strava. I'm on Strava. I actually is this got, a sponsored ad? No, this isn't a sponsored ad, but I actually got... It was the, the saddest thing of, you know, the uh, the Strava review, the year in review. It's normally pretty <laughs> exciting. Mine uh, had, I think it was like 14 kilometres as my year in review. But I, the, the big lesson with Strava and what I've uh, since learnt, I actually bought... Uh, Hamish Blake, who we've had on the the podcast, he was uh, he had a spare bike, and I bought it, the bike off him. It was a cyclocross, and I was just going for it. Was either me getting a reed bike, right, or Hamish is like, mate, don't do that here. Buy this one. So anyway, I bought it cyclocross. It and uh, I started using Strava, and he texted me and said that I shouldn't be putting up my one because I was going riding to work which was, I think, 1.2 kilometres. And so that's what I was putting on, on Strava. But th- what I learnt was, Hayne was ex- explaining that there's all these rules. He, he noticed that all these people are looking at things and that they, they're looking at your socks. They're looking at, like, there's all these, there's, there's a whole culture around what you wear. Oh, look, road, road cyclists are bloody wankers, really. But no, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> He's so calling himself so wankers. You, yeah. wait, so are you a road cyclist? Like, yeah, I, I would say I'm a road cyclist. Do you cyclist. identify as a road cyclist? Yeah. I identify as a road cyclist. But, you know, I like all types of cycling, really. And that's the premise of my channel. I've done a bit of mountain biking. Crashed every time I went out mountain biking, mind you. Did a little bit of cyclocross. Mm-hmm. I haven't raced cyclocross, though. I want to try that out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's in the mud. I saw, I saw a video that you'd done where I think people were like going over hay bales or like they were just sort of carrying... It was it seemed, cyclocross. It seemed pretty slow. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks slow, but you know what? On Like when you're rolling on the road, it's mm. happy days. You can just, you know, pu- push the pedals a little bit and you're, and you're rolling. Mm. On the grass, you've got to push down 220 watts just to get anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're pushing hard. Mm. So it's a lot harder. And this is the funny thing about cycling, right? Anyone who's watched a cycling race online, you know, you look at the dudes and, you, and you know, Chris Froome and all those guys and they're like, Fuck, I could smash these guys, right? Yeah. 
But the truth is, they are pushing five, six hundred watts. They the whole premise behind them not pulling, you know, wretched heads, mm. you know, exercise heads, is they're trying to look fresh for their opponents. Oh, so it's so part it's, of the strategy. It's part of the strategy. Yeah, you, yeah. It's a world, the cycling world. What's the appeal? I mean, it's uh, the lycra. It <laughs> is, yeah. And shaven legs. <laughs> what it, like, I can't see. I can't see your legs. Mrs. Love shaving. They're yeah. not shaving. I'm, yeah. I haven't ridden a bike for. But, but what? What is the appeal? What's the? I guess that holds the community together and just. It, it's a, it. In all seriousness, it's a great exercise. As we know, is a great mental health thing, mm. right? So, and cycling is, you know riding side by side next to a couple of mates and you know it's not that for example you and i are sitting here face to face at the moment it's harder to sort of open up mm-hmm. over a coffee yeah. whereas on the bike you see you're next to your mate you can talk about anything yeah um, we should start doing the podcast off a bike i just <laughs> don't know bike. how it would how i would go yeah so the um the, when it comes to the whole fashion type of thing, I, I fell into the trap of unlike a okay, well, if I'm going to if I've got the bike, I need the gear. So I went and did like a Rafa purchase and bought sort of went Rafa. Went Rafa. And so um top, top how many times have you away? heard this? The guy who gets a bike and goes and buys everything and then doesn't use it. Hey, doesn't we haven't it. heard the end of the story yet. Maybe I'm maybe I wrote Spoiler here. alert, he doesn't um, ride. <laughs> but he did an Instagram post of him in his lycra. Yeah. That's critical. If you're in this in the kit, you gotta do at least one Instagram post. Yeah. But oh, well, did you did you get a sense, Josh, of that oh I can see the appeal here? Absolutely. I thought that I was getting into the community. I just didn't re- all the haters were saying, Josh, this isn't gonna last. This is you're just buying shit like you normally do, you're not gonna do this thing. Um, but I went on a couple of rides and uh, I was living in Abbotsford uh, on the water. So it was like perfect, uh, great, like, location. great location for cycling. But um, I just don't, tr- it's not that I don't trust cars and stuff. I don't trust myself. Like when I, t- when I would turn my head, I'd turn the whole bike and stuff like that. So it's from a safety, safety point of view, I was so just... So that's what squashed it for you? Yeah, I just felt like... Because you know, the appeal with Rafa was it was like they've got all these... Uh, um, guarantees where it's like you know if you, if you lose weight you can get like a new pair for like half the price or if you crash they'll like they'll replace the uh <laughs> what the if you quit do they <laughs> yeah exactly it's still, it's, it, i couldn't bring myself to chuck it out and because i'd worn it once it, it feels like one of those selling underwear that you can't sell you, second- you can't especially after the wearing the knicks come on <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Come, I mean, who would even buy a second pen i'm sure there's a market for it on gumtree i would imagine there would be <laughs> so do, can you go well, the one thing that i was d- discovering with myself through this whole journey was that i couldn't um I didn't feel comfortable just wearing normal general public clothes on a bike. I felt like if I was going to go on a short bike, I had to short ride. I had to kit up. Wear the kit, yeah. Do you have to do that or is, it, is there? No. Okay. No, you don't. You, don't. Um, you know, there's a big shift at the moment with a lot of cyclists who wear kit traditionally moving towards a more traditional style of clothing. Um, there's a few brands actually starting up, one in Melbourne, I just can't remember the name of it right now, but so so what I'm saying is there's a lot of people starting to ride around in casual clothes, mm. right? Now the kit's great if you're going to be racing or you're going to be doing long rides and stuff like that. But you know, let's face it, it doesn't look great, especially <laughs> with a guy you know like I'm 44 now. Yeah, I don't look good in kit. But fuck horrendous. For 40, do you say you're 44? I'm 44, yeah. It upsets me so much Why? with the rig that I have at 27. Well, you've still I got a few years, few, mate. So 
how much of it is so you were talking before we started on uh, crossfit is that a thing that you do or no? yeah crossfit crossfit for me was just a bit of a, a rest from cycling you know i think in the 2010 i've been cycling all my life my dad was a cyclist he was a he was a good you know he was a, a hitter and so, you know, I sort of transitioned from cycling from my dad, but I've been doing it so many years, I needed something else. Mm. And so I started mm. lifting heavy things, throwing weight around, you know, doing the CrossFit thing. You have to sort of um, cycling, CrossFit, you know, it's sort of in line with uh, veganism and, and stuff like that. Is it, I was uh, vegan uh, for two years. Really? Yep. How, did, how did that go for you? Um, it was good. Now... Vegan, being vegan, let's not say say vegan because vegan encompasses a lot of things, right? Yeah, I'm it's always also trying to catch vegans out. Like did you that. eat lollies? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Then I mean, I was, a, I was you're a, vegan, a vegan, but I was a cheegan. Okay, che- cheegan. And, cheegan. I, and I can honestly cheating say vegan. This. I was a cheating vegan. Yeah. <laughs> but um, lollies, when you say lollies, that's the gelatin. Yeah. Mm. That's the gelatin, like the jelly babies. And Animal You can't eat them, but... But the thing is with veganism is it encompasses a lot of things. You know, you get rid of your leather shoes and your leather car seats and stuff like that. Like, I didn't worry about that shit, right? Yeah. All I cared about was just eating plant-based food. So it was health-driven? Yeah, it was health-driven, mm-hmm. just to feel good about it, right? But I'm not joking. I was riding 70Ks in the morning, doing 70Ks at night, mm-hmm. every lot. day for, like, months. What's that in an hour? So how long does it take so, to do so 70Ks? So on a bike, 70Ks, it's a long time. It's, you know, two, two and a half hours. Two and a half, three so hours? nearly five or six hours a day. Yeah. I was, I was going hardcore, plus working a full-time job. Oh and my God. I felt friggin' amazing. I felt well, absolutely amazing on a plant-based uh, diet. But the thing is with a plant-based diet is you've got to eat a lot of food. So when you get, decide to go plant-based, you've got to eat massive amounts of fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I saw one of your videos, you were on a bike for five and a half hours and you said you ate five dates. That's all you ate for the days. Like, ah, oh, could have eaten a bit more, but geez, those five dates. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, you could get through like on five, like a date an hour. That's fine if you're just pedalling <laughs> cruisy. Right? That sounds so sad. <laughs> it is pretty sad. But I wasn't deliberately doing that. I think I just only had five dates that I picked up that morning, and I was just, that was it. I just grabbed a handful of dates. I was running late. One of your other videos was about. Um, it's, I think it's one of your most viewed, and everyone loves a good road rage incident. Or something going on. It's, it happened in Brighton, out the front of the Brighton Baths. Yeah, Was yeah. It did involve Shane Warne. Isn't he big on the... <laughs> yeah, no. He hates cyclists, does he? It, yeah, he, does he? Beach Road, I think he's famous for Well, if I, you know, dev- if you play devil's advocate and... Which Tommy loves to do, by the way. Just so you know, I'm fine with cyclists. My <laughs> wife, on the other hand. But, you know, what, what, what's, the, what's the thinking around? Is there a us versus them... Do you think that's well, really this prominent? Is, this is what I was saying. Can I jump in first to, to preface Tommy's question so he just doesn't sound like a bit of a dickhead? Playing devil's advocate, I can say what I want. Tommy's in a four, Tommy's a, what we've discussed this before. Tommy, you're in a four-wheel drive. You've got someone who's on something that's way lighter, way smaller. It feels like there's, a, there's already on the roads, there's a power imbalance. I don't think there's ever going to be an issue where the cyclists are somehow going to be endangering... You drivers. can't say that. It's like saying drivers will never be at fault. I don't think drivers will be at fault. I don't think it's at fault, but I think that there is that level of um, empathy that you have there to have. There will be a large majority in Australia, in the world, that fucking can't stand cyclists. 
And what is this from being? I'm not inside the cycling world. What's the thoughts of inside the cycling world looking out to those people? And yeah, I'm not so saying I'm one of them. I'm playing so devil, devil's advocate there, over there's here. There's a stigma between the starting off. It's the lycra and the shaving of the legs thing. Mm. So there's a lot of people there. That sort of cracks people. That puts people on the back foot straight away. And I think that's partially why we're seeing a lot of people sort of move into casual clothing. And I enjoy riding down. I've ridden down here in casual clothes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in my lycra right yeah. now. Got your Gazman. Got my, got my Gazman Gazman t-shirt on. or Gazman? Gazman. Gazman, Gazman. sorry. So, you know, um, I think that's that's the number one thing, right? And then you see there's this perception that cyclists take over the, over the, over the road when you see, you know, a whole bunch of cyclists on the road and it's hard to pass them and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. there's this arrogance that, you know, drivers... I suppose, look at the, a group like that as a collective group of people mm. and they're all arrogant. The truth is, if I see some dickhead crash his car on the news, I don't sit there and go, look at all, the, look at all these dickhead drivers. All of them, all of you, all yeah. drivers are dickheads. Right? Yeah. Because the truth is, I'm a driver and my mum's a driver. Mm. Right? And I think the problem with cycling is that some dickhead goes through a red light and... Every cyclist gets labelled a dickhead yeah, yeah. Yeah, based yeah. on that. What's well, a minority thing, right? Like, I think if you go to the Netherlands, it's probably a different sort of yeah. kettle of fish. cyclist. The person in that video that I'm talking about, the girl in it said something like, oh, well, where's your red Joe? Which was the silly. What does it mean? What is it? Where's your rego for your bike? Oh, rego. Okay. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. So, there, so, so Tommy's talking about a uh, one of my videos. It was well, a couple of years ago now. But it's, it's got one of the archives. Most, yeah. yeah, one of my most viewed videos though. Because everyone um, loves a good road rage, I said. Yeah, we yeah. came, we had a car come past really close past us and just carry on like a bit of a dickhead. Anyway, he was a 21-year-old and his missus was 19. They pulled over and it was almost a full-on punch-on. Yeah. But the chick was just throwing out some of the most wretched calls. Like, where's your ridge? Like, she was a full bogan. Yeah. It was just horrendous. <laughs> and so I caught the whole thing on video. I was just loving it, right? <laughs> and it turns great. out it was one of my most viewed videos. Yeah. So happy days. Did you ever hear from them? No. Well, no, the guy was on the phone to the cops, which, yeah. if, I mean, the power's in the driver's hands because all you need to do is turn left and run them over. Yeah. You can't do that with a car. You'll bounce off if you're the cyclist. That's right. So there is, you know, there's duty of care from the, yeah. from the cars it's, as well. Look, it's this, that sort of thing, although that's my one video that's had most of the hits, if I, if I mate, there's not a day that goes by where I don't have some dickhead cutting me off or coming too close or something. But I think at the end of the day, as a cyclist, you've just got to, Brush it off. It's just no biggie. I mean, you know, classic example is is one of my videos where I broke my wrist. Mm. We had a Korean driver driving down the opposite side of the road towards us. And we're doing 50k an hour towards him. We were lining up for the sprint. So we're doing 55k an hour, almost 60k an hour. And everyone went, what the fuck? It was like nighttime. We saw these headlights coming towards us. That's scary because you'd think like you don't think... Korean driver, you think someone absolutely off their face, off ready their face f- on yeah. ice or something. Yeah. So the whole bunch, there was fifty of us in this bunch, just went left, right, fucking Shit. wherever, just to save their ass. Anyway, we obviously we ended up clipping wheels and things like that, and people oh. went down. I broke my wrist, got oh. carted off to hospital, and uh, you know this sort of thing, I suppose. Is it's dangerous out there on the road? You know, yeah. I understand when people buy bikes and they don't use them. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a dangerous environment. But again, it comes back to you know newbies, newbies. Like there's so many bunters out there. Yeah. There's so many bunters out there. And and so part of my videos is I want to educate these crew in how to ride properly and mm. how to stay upright and how to look after yourself. In all kind of uh, subcultures, 
it can breed you know a certain mindset is being in the subculture is there any kind of negative um i guess vibes flowing around is there i get maybe protection say a newbie comes on i want to start riding i want to try and ride down beach road the main cycling road in melbourne is there any is it like um, surfing are there yeah, sort of like protection you can't come in our pack yeah, yeah yeah i mean obviously there is so beach roads are classic for this right so newbie rider rocks up strong as an ox so let's say you for example yeah. josh is strong <laughs> yeah. strong yeah. Right? he's push on pedals. Yeah, yeah. i'm a sprinter i'm a sprinter big by the sprinter way. right so you know beach roads are sprinting territory right yeah. so watermelon glutes <laughs> so you rock up to the bunch ride yeah. and you start rolling turns yeah with with a group that have got all their kit that wearing the same kit. What does that mean, rolling turns? So rolling turns going around a corner. No, no, rolling. T- <laughs> this is like, <laughs> so I see. I take this for granted that you guys know this stuff, right? So rolling turns is coming to the front, right? Yeah. So you get on the front of the bunch into the wind, mm-hmm. and everyone sits on your wheel. Okay, and sure. so you're you're doing thirty percent more than truck. everyone else. You're yeah. the truck, yeah. And then you pull off. You just want a minute to say you're the big truck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you so you pull off and you go to the back and you have a rest, okay. Right, yeah. and it's thirty percent easier. Mm-hmm. And then you come back to the front. That's rolling turns, right? Yeah. So you rock up rolling turns, but there's this whole thing on Beach Road that if you rock up to these groups rolling turns, they're gonna mate, they're gonna tell you to piss off. Wait, so no one's allowed to roll turns? Well, no, if you're inexperienced and they don't know you, okay. they want you to piss off and sit on the back. Are you a rolling turns kind of guy? Obviously, negative ghost rider. No, I'm definitely not. I'm a sit on the back sort of guy, and then when the sprint comes up, come to the front. But the interesting. So, but the being on the back's the easy bit. Yeah. So it's more of an ego thing. If you want to go up front, you're only doing that because you want to sh- show no, that you're a big truck. No, it's it's a bit of an ego thing, but mm. it's also a fitness thing. So yeah, you sure. might rock up and you know that's your training session. So mm-hmm. you might want to sit on the front, drive it, and just yeah. pull the boys along for you know five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Into like headwind mm. to show off a bit. It's a show off thing. Too. And come on, it leads the pack though. So it's setting the direction. If they stuffed up, are they giving the the signals to uh, car coming up or? Yeah. So this is the, this ahead. is the good point, right? So you're pulling turns. You're starting to fatigue. What happens if you start to fatigue and then you sort of clip? You know, you pull pull off yeah. and you take down the rest of the bunch. You know, so that's the that's the thing. So Take this down is the as surfing, in they all fall. They all fall. Shit. Yeah, and then that happens, man. It happens all the time, especially on Beach Road. Tommy actually uh, has a, a good uh, surfing story. He was uh, he had a had a drone. Mm. Uh, what was it? The Mavic Mavic, Mavic Pro. Mavic Pro. You're a, you're known as quite L- the love drone. A, love a Mavic Pro. And uh, so Tommy was uh, where were you? I, I shouldn't say because that's why I got in trouble. But I was flying it down towards the Great Ocean Road. So it was in Victoria. In Victoria, drone got the drone out, got some great footage of a of a swell. Is that what you guys call it? A swell, epic, epic set rolling through, ginormous. Anyway, post post the video on Facebook with the the location and all that sort of thing. And uh, before you know it, Tommy's got death threats. Because yeah, hounded, you fucked up. This is a form of suicide. You don't know what you've done. Mate, Locals going to tear you a new one. I went to the exact same spot because I love a drone. Yeah. Flew the drone down there. I had a guy come out of the water face to face, almost full on punch on. Shit. Was like, you fucking flying drones, you give away our surf spots. Like, no death threats, but was going to try and kick my ass. And he was much bigger than me. And I was like, I'm out of here. Well, Tommy... uh Tommy did uh, leveraged as much as he could, as he always does, and he created a. Uh, can we talk about this? Yeah, he, can we talk? he well, uh, hasn't gone through. Yeah, he created a um, a trailer called uh, Surfy Leaks, which is all, which was a, 
a series that he wanted to create, which was was it a six part series? What were you yeah, pitching? Six part series. Six part series. Anyone out there wants it? It was we can uh, get involved. Surfy leaks is what it was called. But and you had so, you had some success. He get, Tommy Tommy ended up with a letter from the ABC offering a couple of hundred thousand dollars if he could get another. Um, backer on board. Bit of funding. The process really? of getting a TV yeah. show up, but it's all around that. See, there's so many of these. So this sub- is surfing leaks. What specifically was surfing for? Leaks? Yeah, the subculture of surfing and that aggression that's within it. Why is it happening? Where is it happening? Do you know? It's funny you say that because there is going back to the cycling again. There is so much aggression in cycling. Mm. So this whole beach road thing that I was telling you about, even in racing, and and I've been privy to it as well because mm. you've got that adrenaline pumping. You're in the race. You you know people are touching wheels and it's a high anxiety situation and so you're constantly telling people to fuck off and get fucked yeah. and you can piss off and, and so this is this is this culture within cycling same sort of thing with surfing oh, yeah it's, i think what i sort of because I, I thought about this a lot and i was thinking about you know where they're at and what they're thinking and it's beyond the surf location i was thinking the feelings that they get from being in the water Maybe it's the clarity they get. It's cathartic for them. Is there that sense from cycling? Is it therapeutic? Oh, absolutely. It looks fucking painful. It is, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, cycling, I think there's a big movement of people who are doing these adventure rides mm. and stuff. And so getting out in the wilderness, you know, really challenging. I mean, you think about the race, the Indy Pack that I did, for, for example, right? Yeah. You leave Perth, you have no support whatsoever. Everything you take is on that bike. You're allowed to pull into shops on the way and get food, obviously, but that's about it. You're not allowed to even take a Mars bar from, a, from someone standing on the side of the road. Right? Do you have a support? like No, no support. No drivers or anything? Because that's actually, because it sounds like a great trip. But I wouldn't be. I would have to be. I would. I'd be a support vehicle if they needed it, like a four-wheel drive, just sort of <laughs> yeah. running ahead and it's stuff. The nullarbor, it's the yeah. It's but barren. It's a, it's a it's a barren, scary thing. So you're out there. You've done three, four days. You've got saddle sores. You've fucking, what's the everything's scary aching. bit? It's the, the, what's the scary bit? The nullarbor. It's like uh, it's just that there's nothing there. Is well, it? it's just that there's nothing there. But it's also I remember at night time because it's good to ride at night because there's less wind. Right, so I did a lot of night riding. A bit cooler. And I remember my light shining from a helmet on the side of the road, and there was all these mounds on the side of the road. And I was thinking, it's just dirt mounds. I was, you know, dirt. It was snakes. They oh, come shit. to the side of the road to keep warm. There was concrete. thousands of them. I'm not joking, man. There were so many mounds on the side of the and road. Because where can you go from that? Like you were just. Because you, you, you're riding right near there. You're riding on the side of the road. So they're at like a meter away. Right? Shit. So I remember just seeing these snakes just thinking, fuck, this is scary, man. And I'm telling you, you get a build-up of anxiety. I remember yeah. being on the Nullarbor at one stage, coming across the Nullarbor, and I've been out there for you know, two weeks by this stage on my own, you know, catching up with people here and there. But you know, you're out in the Nullarbor. I, I fucking pulled over, had a sleep, and I remember getting up, waking up. It was three in the morning, pacing around in circles, pacing. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I was having a panic attack. Oh, wow. I had a full panic attack and I was like, well, I'm out in the fucking middle of nowhere. I want my mummy. God, it doesn't help that you've drained all of your energy and probably... Well, you're, you're, you're exhausted by that stage. By the time you hit the Nullarbor, you're absolutely cooked. You've got saddle sores, your knees hurt. And so you've taken, I've taken a heap of drugs for uh, Nurofen and stuff for my swollen knees. And, and we're racing. We're not riding across Australia here. We're racing. So we're doing 300 k's a day. 
Do, yeah. One thing that's interesting, so you've you've done, you've gone sort of, you've had the Navy thing, which I want to know more about, but you've, you've done CrossFit, you've done cycling. One thing that I always talk to Tommy with is I, I've never had like heaps of guy friends. I've never been, like Tommy could say, I'm going to have a night out with the boys. If I say I have a night out with the boys, I don't know who I'd call type of thing. <laughs> now I could potentially borrow some of Tommy's mates. You go for a girls night out. <laughs> exactly. Just a sort of casual. No, what about that? No, no Josh, be, you had that night at your house watching um, Victoria's Secret with the girls. Yeah, that's true. I did have that sort of the uh, uh, sex in the city type of stuff. Uh, no, but what's the, uh, do, do you think there is an appeal to, um, those sort of you know guy communities like what what tell me what it's like it, in the cycling <laughs> world no, just in, the, in general like because I, what I'm saying is the pattern of like you've got the navy you've got CrossFit you've got cycling like you are probably the blokiest bloke I've ever met <laughs> you go that far but uh, I mean look I he was, doing, he was doing a one arm push up as no, he said that the blokiest yeah. bloke I've ever met with shaved legs because Derek, yeah. Derek is pretty blokey like yeah, yeah. Exactly. I reckon uh, you've had you've had maybe a couple of more blokey blokes on on your show I reckon yeah, there's a couple of fitness dudes that oh yeah actually Jeff Jeff Jowett that we had on Jeff Jowett was definitely man I, I almost <laughs> can I want to um, have a stab at answering this there's a Push and I watched a psychologist talk about this where women um, are known to be talkers. They talk through their emotions with their girlfriends and it's almost like a, a bit of therapy for them. And there's, an, there's a push for men to talk more. And while I think there's definitely room for men to be talking more, he was saying that it's primitive to, um, like back in the day, that the, the men would go out hunting and it would be their time spent together that is this cathartic release. And I even feel like for me, going to the gym, I've got my mate that I go to the gym with, we talk, we exert energy and Just I do feel... hunting on Beach Road. Yeah, we're hunting on Beach Road. <laughs> but, but coming together with a pack of blokes... And doing something active. That was the time is, I could say woof woof. I've got a catch cry of the Daily Talk Show, which yeah. is woof woof. Is the equivalent of going out hunting back in the day and exerting the energy. Yeah, and I think it's a high achieving thing too. So, you know, the cycling thing, you're always, you know, you're using your mates to push to that next level of fitness, mm. you know. Mm. And without your mates, you don't really have motivation to kick someone's ass, right? Yeah. And the same goes with CrossFit. You know, if you go to CrossFit class and there's some dude lifting 110 kilos and you're deadlifting 100, it's like, fuck this, I'm going to fucking lift 110 kilos next week. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that constantly pushing you to the next level. And I think if you're that sort of person, you always want to surround yourself with people who are doing great things. And, uh, and hence why I've sort of always sort of hung out with better riders than me in, in, in cycling and I've always sort of gone to the, the good CrossFit gym mm. where I can learn and so how much of your motivation is internally driven versus externally driven and has it changed as you've gotten older so how much is it trying to beat your personal best versus the guy next to you I, I think when I was single so 10 years ago it was all externally driven mm -hmm. right you know it was like all about having the good rig and so I can pick up the chicks and stuff <laughs> now it's more internally driven you know where I just want to do well and I just want to sort of hit the next PB um, that's all come to a, a bit of a halt though with the recent birth of our, uh, our little boy Jack mm. you know sort of he's been the focus shakes and, shit up doesn't it and that's interesting <laughs> it's, that's an interesting concept because that change yeah. from you know look at me for example you know uh, Navy cycling CrossFit YouTube, trying to get a big YouTube channel. I mean, mm. I've always sort of strived to do something. And now I've got this, you know, this little dependent, this little human that I'm looking after. Everything's gone by the wayside. Mm. What's the biggest change for you? 
Well, I think, you know, particularly for me, the focus on Jack rather than myself, which has been tough, to be honest with you. Been, been tough. I'm one of the 10 that uh, get, uh, gets postnatal depression and anxiety. So one in 10 men have post, is it postpartum? Post, yeah. And so, so, and so how I'm that, one of them. What I've does had, that look like? Yeah, what is it? Well, yeah, so it? for the last eight weeks, I've had sev- like severe anxiety mm-hmm. and a little bit of depression. I haven't felt depressed, but definitely severe anxiety coming and going. And it's been diagnosed as postpartum. I think I said to you, Josh, it's the closest I've felt to being depressed was after I had the baby. What's a big shift? That's a massive shift. And I think what we put it down to the doctor said, you know, with YouTube, I was focusing on YouTube. I was, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the best that I could do with YouTube, putting out videos almost daily, uh, cycling and, and, you know, all these other things. And all of a sudden, bang, none Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Getting fat because I've put on like 15 kilos and uh, since, since my cycling days. Yeah. And now I'm looking after little Barbara and sort of at his beck and call all through the night. Mm. What's the uh, actual, uh, what's the internal monologue that you're having in your head about it all? Uh, look, you have to say, especially going through, there's, you know, as I say, there's a lot of people that really struggle after having a baby. And I think what you've got to remind yourself constantly is that this is the next awesome thing. Yeah. Having this little human and being a good example and, you know, like I can always show Jack and re- we can reflect back on what I've done on YouTube and stuff like that. And I'm not bloody uh, PewDiePie with 56 million bloody subscribers, yeah. but I've done something pretty awesome that I mm. can be proud of. Mm. And, uh, but I think you've got to always remind yourself that, you know, your little man or your little, little bubba is the next cool little project. Well, almost the internal, for me, internal dialogue goes because survival mode kicks in because that's essentially what's happening. Yeah. This is thrust it into a life that wasn't what you previously knew and into this world of like it's, it, did you feel a shift internally like a primitively like a switch turn to look after a baby like was it just automatically for look you? for me the first few weeks it was a, it was a traumatic uh, birth with yeah. Hannah um, so she went 26 hours at Royal Women's and they were fantastic Royal Women's but 26 hours the baby was sort of on his side and he had his head turned so they had to do a cesarean, emergency cesarean at one in the morning. And that for mm. me was one of the most traumatic things I've ever gone through in my life. Um, and so I think there's a few things that sort of stem, they build up. But over the eight weeks of looking after Jack, I was stoked. And then all of a sudden I started feeling tingling in my left arm and my left leg. And I was like, oh, this is weird. So I Googled the symptoms and multiple sclerosis came up. Oh, no. MS. And I mm. thought I had MS. So I Don't went into Google this panic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I went into this full panic about that. Dr. Google. No. Dr. Google, man. Listen, my best advice to you guys, stay away from Dr. Google if you feel tingling and shit, right? Yeah, not ideal. At the end of the day, anxiety and stuff sort of builds up over time. Mm. And, and the doctor said, look, this is all just anxiety. I got checked out and everything was fine. But he said, you know, anxiety and stuff. And this is very, very common after you have a baby. Have you, wow. uh, you were telling us before that you've uh, gone from having how many coffees a day? Oh, no, this, is a, this is an interesting thing. I was saying to the boys, they rocked up and I was having a chamomile tea. And uh, I used to have five strong lattes minimum a day. Like and I spent so much money on, I could have bloody bought a house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's you, you were living the Melbourne dream, weren't you? This is what we, we had to offer and you were taking full advantage of it. Five coffees a day. And so bloody good coffees. Yeah. And so did you, um, was the... You getting off coffee 
and this new anxiety was it linked at all did you decide to give it the way because of that yeah i think my anxiety was there and it sort of bubbled over mm. um and and anyone who's experienced anxiety and panic attacks it's the worst thing in the world i was talking about seasickness earlier mm. it's much much worse than seasickness and so um, I stopped having the coffees and I stopped drinking alcohol. So I haven't had a beer or a coffee in six weeks. Good on you. Just so that I can try to get over this anxiety and sort of feel normal mm. again. I haven't done drugs yet. I haven't gone on to like Zoloft or anything like that yet. Mm. But, um, but for the most part, I'm starting to feel better. Have you kept up your cycling? I've really picked up on the cycling and CrossFit. So I've been back in the gym CrossFit for four weeks yeah. now. Socializing, back with the crew, trying to get the gut off, a little bit of cycling. It's harder with cycling because it's winter in Melbourne. Oh, it's freezing. It's horrendous. Yeah. Like I got up this morning to go for a ride. It was four degrees. I went straight back to bed. <laughs> Even just driving that's like in the morning at four degrees is hard, let alone like being <laughs> outside of a car. Getting, just walking to the car yeah. in four degrees is it's horrendous. It's horrendous because then you've got to wait five minutes for the heater to heat up. Yeah, no, it's, it's gross. And so do you – with to give us a – description of a, of a panic attack from your end what does it what does it feel so, like okay so how as i said it started because i thought i had ms right mm-hmm. so i thought i had some neurological disease and and what happens is you think about your baby and think okay who's going to bloody pay the bills mm. so this is where the anxiety starts right and apparently this is very common because women who a lot of women who get postnatal they think about a disease and they think, I can't look after my baby if I die. And I say, they yeah. panic, right? And they go, mm-hmm. but an anxiety, a panic attack is essentially a buildup in your body. It's very hard to describe, but you become completely foggy and mm-hmm. you start thinking negative thoughts. Like I was Googling, you know, Anthony Bourdain's suicide and mm. just suicide things and just interest. And I found that really interesting at the time. Not that I would do it, yeah. but I was thinking these really negative, these negative thoughts loop, and I was yeah. in this negative loop and I was yeah. googling the holocaust and and it was bizarre man. it was the most bizarre thing like now I feel fine and I'm like mm-hmm. looking back at that and thinking that's weird yeah but that's what happens with anxiety it's a terrible terrible thing and people get down and they get foggy and they lose clarity can you mm. see before the fog now have you gotten to that point of identifying when it's about to happen and change yeah. that loop yeah so I'm at a stage now where when I when I get a panic attack like I had a bad day yesterday for no reason mm-hmm. whatsoever. I hope it wasn't because you knew you coming on the show no, today. No, it wasn't, no. But I had a bad day yesterday where I felt really anxious. Yeah. And uh, and so, I'd, you know, you start your breathing techniques and things like that just to calm yourself down. But it's basically a feeling of sense of doom mm. is the best way to describe it. You feel as though everything's coming to an end. And mm. so now you've just got to breathe, take a few deep breaths in, sort of get, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's there's a lot of information online. If anyone is experiencing this, so they sort should of Google thing. or they shouldn't Google. <laughs> no, no, don't Google <laughs> symptoms of MS, but because then you just get crazy. But uh, because it's a very, very rare disease, MS, particularly in men. Yeah. But um, but definitely Google if you you know if you've got anxiety and stuff, it can't hurt you. Mm. Well, anxiety at the end of the day can't hurt you. Yeah. Even but though you can expensive. hurt you through anxiety. But you right? can hurt you. Yeah. So yeah. you probably need to. Be thinking about. I think that the interesting thing is: Have you been much of a self-help book reader? Do you get into self-help books or anything like that? Along with the writing, I can't really read. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no I, I'm not bad. I don't mind a good read actually, but I prefer a YouTube video. It's yeah. just so much easier. No, absolutely. Um, creativity for you is it? Have you been flexing that muscle? Do you think that's had any con? Contributing factors to feeling this way? De- definitely. I think the fact that I've backed off on the YouTube channel, I mean, I was banging out videos every day or every second day. 
And I think that creativity, excuse me, that creativity die-off has been a big problem. And uh, you know, lack of training. I've got I've got all this weight around my gut now. I've got you know I got diagnosed with a bit of fatty liver, which is easy. Fatty liver is just something you just get back on the training bag and you get rid of. How it. How do they diagnose fatty liver? Oh, they do a blood test. Okay. They do a blood test, and yeah, I've got a little bit of fatty liver, which is um, which is controls your liver controls a lot of your hormones. Mm. So this could all be linked: fatty liver and and depression and anxiety, and. Um, and so, you know, it's just a case of getting back on the bike and, and, you know, making my videos again, getting back on the bike, getting into the gym, and which is what I'm doing. Well, you've got your... You've, people think that, uh, you know, people would look at your success on YouTube. You know, it's, it's not as big as PewDiePie as you mentioned, but it's still very amazing that you've been able to achieve that. And they'd think, oh, that is where I want to get to. But then you see everything's relative as you're sort of climbing. What do you look to as the next thing for you in terms of YouTube or... Well, I want to start a big podcast. No, hey. no, no I'm kidding. But, yeah, I mean, I watch now, you, but I'm not. <laughs> I watch you guys. Uh, I, I've actually listened to the podcast, uh, your podcast a while now and I love it. And I think podcasting is a great medium um, because it's more advertiser friendly. Mm. Uh, YouTube, I'm enjoying YouTube, but I just don't think that's where it's going to be particularly in the niche of cycling so you know for example if you pick a niche if you're a, if you're a, a, a coffee youtuber for mm. example you're only ever going to have x audience yeah you know what i mean whereas if you do something more generic a more generic channel mm-hmm. you know you can grow to five million you know gaming for example you can grow to five million subscribers mm. you know but the thing is with cycling i don't ever think there's going to be that depth there so i think doing a more generic for me a, a, a podcast or something like that where it's i can talk about anything that's really where i'm looking at the moment josh maybe we say that the um the radio people are wanting to be youtubers and youtubers are wanting to be on tv maybe yeah. the thing is now the YouTubers, youtubers are wanting to be podcasters well i think that like the top youtubers are creating podcasts because they yep. recognize that they can have a level of ownership of that uh listener base yep. they can they're not sort of they're not having to worry about an algorithm and they're able to sort of create their own path. What about yeah. wiping aside anything to do with money or brand deals or anything? Do you contribute the success you've had with your channel to being really authentic in I just want to create and share? Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed it. I mean, one thing with my YouTube channel is I've always been just myself. Mm. I've never tried to be someone. I watch YouTubers who aren't themselves. Mm. And I just think, dude, Hard just work. be yourself, man, because <laughs> yeah. you can't do a thousand videos and just pretend to be someone else. Yeah. Well, my wife said from watching some of your videos together, she said, he seems like a lovely guy. Oh, oh. did she? So there, there's oh, a bit that's, of that's nice feedback from the wife. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, beats One the, the Kickstarter comments. Yeah, for beats sure. the Kickstarter yeah, comments. But she sure. slagged off your wife. That was her in the comments. No, I'm joking. Yeah, so the... From here with the... You know, with YouTube, do you feel like you need to be feeding feeding it constantly is it like another is it like a yeah. kid do you have to worry yeah, about it's, it it is i mean at the end of the day i've started this thing i've grown it to here i've put a lot of work into it. i mean 600 videos is let's say four to six hours per video that's that's bloody thousand that's i don't know i, I didn't do well at maths either but that's a lot of hours right fuck load <laughs> and so you think i don't want to fucking just let this go and die right mm. so my mindset right now is okay do i stay with the cycling do I stay with the cycling or do I change it to the maven 
and then I can have you guys on and we can just talk shit about anything. Yeah. I will you know? put cycling clothes on if you want us yeah, on anyway. I'm happy, I'm happy to start riding again. But <laughs> again, it's probably a bit... Re- no, I like it, you know, because Josh and I are so in the uh, video and strategy field mm. for clients and all of this stuff. And it's nice to hear someone who isn't leading with, I'm a production expert. Yeah, or, it's a know, different perspective. To, this different perspective is to see what you think about well, landscape a, of YouTube and I think the other interesting thing with what you're doing is what it reminds me of when I was when I've been watching all your videos is it has the the awesome bits of what community TV had like 15 years ago with higher production value where it's like you can have I remember I, I used to work on a show called Rodder's Life back about 15 years ago and it was you know a car car people and you would go would go to hot rod events and stuff like that and the host would be recognized by everyone and it was sort of like this um, you know big figure within that local space it is, has the community that community element has that sort of happened in an organic way has it been something that you've been deliberate in trying to create what are the things that you do to try and to to cement that yeah, I mean, that is, uh, that's an interesting point because definitely when you're in the niche, I mean, there's positive, as I said earlier, there's positives and negatives to mm. being in a niche. So, you know, 45,000, 50,000, 70,000 subscribers is really where it's at for, for what I'm doing. You're never going to get 3 million subs, right? Yeah. But in terms of the community stuff, I rock up, you know, if I rock up to the, uh, the tour down under and I go to Wollonga Hill and we're talking me here, right? I'm yeah. like, I'm just a regular Joe walking down the street. Yeah. I've got people queuing up to take photos with me. <laughs> Isn't you know? that funny? It's the most bizarre so thing good. ever. I ride <laughs> up the hill at Wollonga and there's thousands of cyclists there and they're all, Maven, 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 you know, taking photos, running after me, stuff like this. And I feel like an absolute rock star. And then I come back to Melbourne and then I'm just a, just a general punter. <laughs> you know? The general punter. So it's actually a quite, it's been a quite an interesting journey. And I think the key to maintaining your audience in, in that situation is to, is to keep that community thing going. For example, I've got a Strava group. So mm-hmm. Occasionally, I'll do a video where I'll go, "Oh, Joe Bloggs is kicking ass on the Strava yeah. group." So, really maybe f- I could, maybe one of my goals could be to be in the Strava group and maybe get a shout. What would I have to do? You've to actually get got a to do K's, bro. Yeah, You've man, I'm happy K's. to do some K's. I've only got a few days before I go away. Maybe I'll take the the bike to Italy and do Mad- one of those big big hills or whatever they're, they're yeah, all talking about good idea or oh, run or start with some running and i'll start up a little running group yeah i like to i started off doing the pro do you how how often do you here's a bit of strava etiquette when do you put something on private versus public if you're boss so if you're in a job where you're not supposed to be riding during the day <laughs> it's a, put it's it a, on private it's a private job that's a private it's um strava is one of those things where they know that people are going to be riding during you know work hours so yeah. that's a that's a great feature and i used to use that feature a little bit but i got to the stage where i was like fuck it you know i do enough work for this company yeah. if i'm going to ride during work hours then so yeah. be it i'll do the night i'll do some night hours so what, what is your what is your job now you do something with surgery and so, so i've gone back to work so as i said i did the youtube channel for a year mm-hmm. and then i went and i thought what's the easiest way because it was, it was hard way to make money on youtube right what sort of like what sort of revenue can you do like because obviously you've got the 300 bucks a month or whatever but is it sort of how do you break it down is it you know can you get five grand from a from a quad lock or something like that to, yeah. to sponsor you to do a thing what do, yeah. what, what are you hey talking man this whole area and yeah. even what you guys are doing with the mm. podcast if mm. you ever wanted to get brand deals yeah it is a it's a it's a such a new area that mm. not a lot of people know what to do yeah and you could talk to people about it and not a lot of people know but i'll give an example like i was doing um 
you know, I might go to an event where I'll go to the, uh, the, the Lake Taupo cycle event mm-hmm. and they'll pay me hypothetically, mm-hmm. um, you know, five to 10 grand yeah. for me to be there, make say three videos. Mm-hmm. So you can make good chunks of money yeah. um, as an influencer. Mm-hmm. Right? And then so you're influencing obviously people to come and do the event next year okay, through your videos. Mm-hmm. Or you could do something where you're, an appro- you're an approaching a brand and you say, look, if you sponsor me for three months at two grand a month, mm-hmm. I will have your product in my videos yeah. every day mm-hmm. or every second day. I'll use your product every second day. Yeah. So you were going to them saying that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so a good put, deal. I think that's yeah. like a I think that makes a lot of sense. Even with what Tommy and I are doing going into business together, there's going to be that element of we we can make a good chunk of coin just being a production company. So how can we and I guess that's the whole thing is you're selling a skill as well. People need video content. Mm. So it's that whole thing of like, well, if they just pay for the content, it just so happens that you have an audience and there's that sort of residual audience I think is potentially yep. exciting as well. How, yep. how What's the nu- the numbers game if you were to throw it out there? Like you ask 10 brands, you might get one or 100 well, brands. Well, just about every brand. See, this is the thing that I struggle with. I'm a salesman in my surgical device role and ha- always have sort of been. And then when I went into selling myself to these brands, I found that really hard. Yeah. And so you almost need to employ someone to do it for you mm-hmm. because I found it very hard to talk about me and how awesome mm-hmm. I was to get money out of you. You know, It's, it's hard. I'm making a video at the moment about how I'm shit at selling myself. Yeah. And I and I look at the power in Josh and I and our partnership where I can sell Josh. Yeah. And it, which is essentially selling us. Which is what you've got to do. And he can yeah. sell me. Yeah. But there is a an Australian thing of not standing up talking about how awesome you are and how much value you can bring because people will be like, sit down, you fucking wanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And I mean trying to explain to an old school marketing manager um, that this is where it's it. This is mm. the future. This is now. But you're somehow stuck in paying ten grand for ads in magazines, yeah. cycling magazines that no one reads. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you get to the stage where you become fatigued mm-hmm. of bringing people up to 2018. Well, you've, you've gone early in some regards. Like I think that even I look at the landscape and I was listening to podcasts in 2005 and, you know, before it was on iTunes. And I so... You can get a bit sort of disenfranchised by the bullshit that is everyone talking about podcasts or YouTube because you're like, bro, this happened like this has happened four times. Like when you know Serial came out and everyone was talking about podcasting, and you yeah. sort of your eyes get sore from eye rolling. But I think that there is there's going to be a shift. It's way longer. What I've discovered is it's like I remember you know ten years. I've got a um, a photo from uh, 2005 or a beginning of 2006 where I built, I, I was uh, in year 10, I was 16 years old and I did a built a website on podcasting. I spoke POD-casting and I was saying like the, how this was the, the new thing that was you know, the big thing that was going to change everything. And it, it, may, it may have that impact, but things take so much longer because there are, Magazines. There are people who are employed to make sure that the the same the oil is being added to that same. What's well, legacy marketing, right? Yeah. That's the TV, radio, print. But it's going to change. Yeah. It's yeah. And people are, you know, they're 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 stuck. You know, marketing managers for these big companies that have got money, they're stuck in this. You know, they just want to come to work every day and then go home at night and see their kids and stuff. So they don't want to sort of. 
understand these new yeah. and it's happening it's all happening so quick so i you know part of the thing that i was saying earlier you asked me um one in ten mate, i found that most people i spoke to were keen to hand over their money mm. right and and collaborate on some sort of brand deal however it was the ones that were stuck you know the older crew the marketing managers that were sort of stuck with the magazines and they sort of they still feel that people are buying these magazines these cycling magazines yeah feelings aren't facts (laughs) (laughs) numbers from uh, Facebook and online platforms are facts uh, yeah Yeah. it's interesting yeah it's interesting that um, that that whole shift and so the I think that the gen like going generic is interesting because it's I think that what we're trying to do with the daily talk show is it's um, the niche is us the niche is our perspective our lens and that gives us the opportunity to it's still a niche in some regards right so yeah. it's almost like i think that the biggest thing that tommy and i have learned is uh people can do most things that we can do as well they can but they can't be us so it's that thing of like leading with us and it's even you know we were talking about um uh, guests uh, names right so when we have a guest on the podcast do we put their name first or do we put in a subject? Like, what, what do we put with titles? I'm sure you've had the mindfuckery that is selecting titles for your videos. And tags and stuff. And, how, yeah. and can you go too far into dissecting the shit out of everything? Have you gone analytical? Do you know, do you know I, I'm not huge analytical because mm-hmm. I believe that you've got to have a passion for what you do. Yeah. So that is you're doing podcasting, you've got to love chatting to people. Yeah. And if you don't love doing this shit, like what you're yeah. doing right now, there's no point worrying about the analytics yeah. right? you couldn't do 100 episodes yeah. or, you, you or couldn't. even 10 I yeah. mean I've done as I said 600 videos now if I didn't like making videos <laughs> and so my my thing is why even bother looking at the stats I don't give a shit yeah. and so I never look at the stats I never look at the unless someone from a marketing department asked me but you know in line with what you were saying um, just then um, yeah. you guys are it mm. you guys are the reason that your your listeners mm. download the podcast right and so they want to hear your your take on it all. Mm-hmm. And so I think who we, you've we got hope. on, we hope, <laughs> well, <laughs> we who hope. you've got on is irrelevant. Yeah, you know they just hope that it's a, an interesting podcast. Well, yeah. I think that, and that's the distinction because there's default thinking, which is okay. People are doing things a certain way, so it's like uh, people are hashtagging things a certain way, or they're captioning their videos this way, or they're putting the guest first, and what. And the thing is that you have to ask why. And for us, the the why is exactly that which is like it's not it, we're not doing interviews we're not a tim ferris show we're not like we if we lead with having cycling maven as the number one thing people are going to be really fucking disappointed because they're like you guys spoke over cycling. no because th- no but not not only that but when people fans of you listen there's going to be a bunch of them that are like these fuckers don't even know what uh, that word you use like the 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 corners turning what's yeah, that rolling word? turns rolling turns which was had nothing to do with a corner it had nothing to do with a corner <laughs> but the cycling maven audience are going to be fucking spewing yeah. at what uh, the shit that I've said but maybe they won't because we connected with you and you shared some pretty personal yeah. shit I, I today. I think they know that, you know, you're fucking clueless, right? Because you went to Rafa. Rafa is great. Rafa is great. Raff, if Rafa has money, they're great. But if they're not, let's face it, their clothing are uh, are the best on the market. Mm-hmm. There's a stigma with, with Rafa in that they're a bit pretentious. Okay. Right? And so a lot of the people that go by there are dickheads, right? Okay. But... <laughs> 
But uh, for the most part, a lot of them are great. So I if I was to rebrand, if I was to have another crack at this and start getting some Ks on the Strava, join your group, do all that sort of I need to, is it cleats? Yeah, you need cleats. You need to be able to clip in. You need to shave your legs. Because I was using I was using just runners, which I think was losing Ooh. a lot of uh, a lot of pace. Massive coo- massive uh, <laughs> kudos drop. There. And I also cook of the day. Anti, you get anti Strava kudos yeah. for, for the runners. You're like, a, you're like a surfer wearing the leg strap on your arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but I when I first bought the bike from home, I didn't know how the the uh, the gears worked. Yeah. So I was. Just ride, uh, riding in this crazy, ca- like the cadence. Uh, yeah, sound yeah that's more, right. Yeah, spinning. Cadence, spinning. I was spinning, spinning a lot and not going very fast. Yeah. But slowly gotten... Uh, you work gotten it out. That. You work it out over time. You'll get there. Yeah. Get so there. so what's, uh, what's, the, what's the next thing for you, do you think? Like what's the... A week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now... It seems like this stuff is ever evolving. It's yeah. like fucking changing. Because the Can thing I is, s- you talk about the Anthony Bourdain thing. It wasn't that fucking long ago that you like that you're going through all of this shit, right? Yeah. So it's it's yeah. early days. Well, you know, it is early days for me. Uh, it's about getting my mental health back on track, so mm-hmm. getting back into the um, the cycling and the eating well and all that stuff. But I think um, I think also getting creative again. You know, mm. getting back on YouTube, doing my videos. Uh, as I said, I want to move to more of a generic channel so mm. that I can just talk about anything because there's other things that interest me besides cycling. Yeah. And the other thing is I saw just a little while ago that on Instagram, you know, these platforms, you said everything's it's, it's evolving and changing yeah. so much. There's this new thing on Instagram. The IGTV. The, the IGTV yeah. thing. And so there's something else that you can do, put my videos. And, then, and yeah. what sort of a platform is this going to be now? So It's going to be interesting seeing you. I think, uh, I think I've spoken to you about this, Tommy. I think that transitioning from having a brand and changing is one of the hardest things that you can do because everyone's going to say you are the cycling maven. Get fucking back into your spot. Do your cycling. I remember I saw a guy who does the art of photography and he decided to – he normally does – camera reviews he decided to do a vlog and it was like the world was ending it really? was the big yeah Dashed it was down. he would got he got slammed yeah, yeah. i think he had to do a, a an update an apology video for his he? for having the I'll audacity to, to do a fucking vlog yeah and this is the thing with vlogging you know like i'm a so for the most part most of my videos are vlogs mm. and for those of you that don't know what a vlog is it's, you know you, you hold the camera you talk a bit of shit to the camera you, you have a you tell a story of your day essentially that's what mm. you're trying to do yeah. and you're just trying to keep the audience engaged through for the full 10 minutes of the video yeah. which i roughly aim for 10 minutes most people incidentally drop out at about six minutes yeah interesting i do look at some stats yeah, yeah. um but um but you know vlogging it's a funny thing so now that I've got the kid, do I show my baby? Do I show my baby's face? You know, mm-hmm. when you've got a child, it sort of changes the game a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I've got this reluctance to continually bring this camera in and show my audience my life. I did see your baby. Very cute. Very cute baby. Yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah he is Beautiful. a cutie. He's but yeah, I, it's ever evolving. It'd be good to see what you're doing and that's why we want you to come back on at some point yeah. well you're the friend of, friend of a show friend of the show now and i think that's the difference with what we're doing too is it's not like this isn't this once off guest type of shtick it's about like having people on regularly when you've you know got your new thing and you've removed cycling from your your brand name it's the new you you can come but on until then we'll have you on as the cycling expert <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. or whatever you want to call yeah, yourself yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll take the, it the gas man that's my new name gas maven gas maven mark thanks for coming on that was awesome it's the daily talk show everyone send us emails too uh especially 
if you have uh, questions for Maven, we'll just call you fucking Maven now. Uh, hi at the Daily Talk as well. We have uh, we have stickers too, which we're really excited about. Yeah, uh, we, you can put them on your bike. Is that a faux pas? Can you not put stickers on your bike? You can put them on your bike. Okay, yeah, it's all right. Cool. Yeah, so I've um, actually got one for you. Yeah, we've got uh, this is a big uh, deal. Is... I did the math though. There are. They cost us about ten cents each I think that's to make. My jacket, bro. Um, this is, this is, this is a disaster. Anyway, let's we'll do that off air. It's the Daily Talk Show, everyone. See you guys. Have a good one. Thanks for having me.